Welcome to the Bridge to God's Word podcast with Carla Unseth, a linguistic consultant for missionaries working in Bible translation. We invite you to visit us at www.bridgetogodsword.org to learn more about Carla's ministry. Now, here's linguistic consultant Carla Unseth. Hi, this is Carla Unseth, and welcome to Building a Bridge to God's Word. Thank you for joining us today. We are in the middle of a series on a Bible study method that I've been calling the Bridge Bible Study Method. So if you remember, we started the first podcast with kind of an overview of this method, which is observation, interpretation, and then application. And then we've actually been applying the method ourselves by looking at a passage, Mark 1, 21 through 28, which is about Jesus casting a demon out of a man. And we've actually been going through the method together. So the first couple podcasts, we did the observation phase, looking at what it meant to the original hearers. And then we've now moved into this interpretation phase where we look at not just what it meant to the original hearers, but what principles we can draw out of the passage that apply to all people across all cultures at all times. What are these kind of universal principles? So that's where we are today is looking at interpretation. So if you remember, we have different tools that we can use to figure out what their universal principles are. And one of the tools is cross-references, so using the Bible to interpret the Bible. And that's what we looked at last week. And then the second tool we can use is commentaries. So looking at what has already been written, which can help us to understand more about the passage from the perspective of people who have really devoted their lives to studying it. I think we talked about this last time, but we are standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. So we can take advantage of what they have already studied and already written about these passages. So if you will remember, the questions that we've been talking about from this passage have to do with demon possession what the Israelites or the Jewish people thought about demon possession. Also the question of authority. They talk a lot about authority in this passage. So how was Jesus's authority different from the authority of the teachers of the law? And and how did that impact people? And then also this phrase, the Holy One of God, what exactly does that mean? So we are going to look at that. We're going to jump into the commentaries this week and see what they have to say. Now, when you're choosing commentaries, it is a little bit difficult because there's so many out there and you have to decide which ones you can trust and which ones you really want to reference. So it's always good to talk to somebody, talk to a spiritual leader to ask them about which commentaries they would recommend. Um, Your pastor, our church has a resource center, so it's got a lot of commentaries that have been already looked through, already vetted, so to speak. So those are ones that you can trust if your church has something similar to that. So start there. You can also, I mean, just read commentaries and as you're reading, see if they agree with things that you've already been taught. So, I mean, that's a little bit more of a laborious method, but that is something that you can do. So the ones that I've used... I I usually use three different ones. I start with the word biblical commentary. This is one that I think is really theologically sound, but it's pretty technical also. So it's 
sometimes a little bit harder to read and understand. I also like the New American Commentary, so I usually look at that one. I feel like it's a little bit easier to understand. I feel like it's also theologically sound. And then the last one that I look at is the NIV Application Commentary, which is also one that's very good. It's very easy to understand. It's set up according to this bridge method, this observation, interpretation, application, which is really nice, though it doesn't always go as in-depth as the other commentaries. So I feel like between all three of them, I get a good look at you know the, the very technical, very theological, and then all the way to the easier to understand, more application oriented. So you kind of get a good picture of what's going on. So what I usually do is actually read through, usually the commentaries have each verse listed and it has sort of a, an explanation of the verse. So I read through that whole explanation and then kind of go back and think about my specific questions. So when I read through thinking about the question of demon possession, there were some things that I found. Now we had asked a question about mental illness and the commentaries did say, didn't give a lot of detail, but did say that it's not the same as mental illness or any other physical illness, that it's clear that um, when they talked about demon possession, they're not talking about mental illness. And also that demon possession was not considered a sin because when a demon was cast out of someone, there was no forgiveness required following that, though they were often told not to return to sin or to turn to Christ so that the demons wouldn't return to them. There's a couple quotes here that I thought were interesting that I'll read to you. So this is one from the NIV application commentary. It says, The New Testament contains a dramatic drop in the fear of demons when compared with other literature from this era. It results from the faith that God has won a decisive victory over Satan in the cross and that the more powerful one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit protects his followers. So I thought that quote was interesting because it shows that not only were, were demons talked about in the Bible, but in other literature from the era. But interestingly, there's less fear in the Bible, and that comes as a result of Christ and who he is. So another thing that the NIV application commentary said is, and I'll read you this quote, it says, Mark shows that Jesus does not simply announce the coming reign of God and the end of the reign of Satan. He actualizes it in the lives of individuals with his miracles. So I thought that was interesting as well, that it's not just that Christ came, but that his kingdom is actually comes to life in individuals through his miracles. And I'll just make a note that I'm not giving you page numbers because I have these commentaries on an app. <laughs> and so I don't actually know the page numbers. But if you go to this passage in these commentaries, then you'll be able to find these quotes that I'm reading. The next question that I looked at was a question of authority and how is Jesus different than the teachers of the law? So um, this kind of underscores the same things that we read when we were looking at cross-references. And that is, first of all, that Jesus hadn't had the typical training of a rabbi. And then um, one of the commentaries says, this is the NIV application commentary, um, and it says, Quote, Judaism had become a book religion, and the scribe had authority because of his erudition in sacred scripture and tradition. He did not claim direct revelation from God, but was an interpreter and had influence only as a learned man. End quote. 
So you can see there that, again, it underscores that the scribes got their authority from the teaching that they had learned and from their ability to pass on scripture. And they, they didn't get anything directly from God, but um, they taught what was in the scripture. So then also there's a quote from the New American Commentary here, which I have, and it says, The reason for the astonishment was that Jesus taught on the basis of his own authority and not by citing previous scholars as did the other teachers of that day. End quote. So again, it's the same thing. People realized, recognized that Jesus was teaching on a different authority, on his own authority rather than just the authority of tradition or of the scripture. And actually, the word biblical commentary added that um, Jesus' teaching revealed who he was. So um, the other, you know, the, the scribes, their teaching revealed the knowledge of other people besides themselves. And Jesus' teaching revealed who he was as the Son of God. So there's some interesting thoughts about Jesus' authority. And our last question is about the Holy One of God. Who is the Holy One of God? And so there are actually some other references in here that I didn't find. And I looked them up. And so you see that sometimes things are translated a little bit differently. So Aaron's called the Holy One of God in Psalm 106.16. Elisha in 2 Kings 4.9. And Samson in Judges 16.17. So those are all prophets who are called the Holy One of God. Most of the commentaries that I looked at just kind of said that the Holy One of God indicated a special relationship between Jesus and God, though it's not particularly made clear what that special relationship is. It just shows that it is there. There is also a couple commentaries that said that the demon using Jesus's name might have been an attempt to control him, which is something that exorcists do. Or conversely, it might have been a recognition of who Jesus was and his control over the demon. So that's something that I guess scholars kind of debate about. So just an interesting thought that there could have been a reason that the demon specifically used his name. Some commentaries also talked about why when he said that, he said, you're the Holy One of God, Jesus told him to be quiet because he was the Holy One of God. Why wouldn't he want people to know? So interesting that some of them said, you know, that Jesus didn't want demonic advertising, so to speak. He didn't want people to learn who he was based on the testimony of demons because that would have actually turned them away from him. So he wanted them to see who he was through himself and through God, not through the evil one. So that gives us a little bit more insight into this question of who is the Holy One of God. But I think the main point there is that it indicates that special relationship between Jesus and God. So then we want to look at what are the overarching principles from this passage? What are the things that we can learn from this passage that apply to all people in all cultures at all times? And what can we glean from the different things that we've read? I think in this case, it's actually pretty similar to what we observed, which is really pretty good. It's good to have it directly related to that. So I think that, you know, we can see Jesus's authority and specifically authority over the spirit world. He has an authority 
which comes from God. It's over the spirit world. It's higher than the teachers of the law because it comes from God. And we can also see Jesus's special relationship with God through that name, the Holy One of God. So I feel like those are kind of some of the principles that we can draw out that apply everywhere, that Jesus has authority over the spirit world. He has his authority from God, which puts him above other teachers of the law, other religious leaders. And he has a special relationship with God, which is what gives him that authority. So if you're writing these down, you can write those principles on the top of your bridge. So last time on the side of the bridge, on their kind of their context, the observation side, we said that the text demonstrates Jesus' authority over impure spirits and that Jesus was the Holy One of God. Now here in the middle of the bridge, we kind of have a similar interpretation and in that Jesus has that authority over the spirit world. His authority comes from God. He has a special relationship with God. Those are kind of those principles that can apply to all times and all cultures. So that you can kind of write there on the center over the bridge. And then next week, we will talk more about the other side of the bridge, application. How do we apply this to our lives? What does it mean in our context today? So we'll talk a little bit that, about that in our next podcast. So I hope you will join me then. And thank you for listening this week to Building a Bridge to God's Word. I'll see you next time.